0: Progressive. Respectful. Mentoring. Compassionate. These are the values of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. And now we proudly present Palmdale Regional Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the American Cancer Society, prostate cancer is the most common cancer among men after skin cancer, but it can be treated successfully. More than 2 million men in the U.S. count themselves as prostate cancer survivors. My guest today is Dr. Monish Aaron. He's a urologist and a member of the medical staff at Palmdale Regional Medical Center, as well as a member of the medical staff at Keck Medicine of USC. Welcome to the show. Dr. Aaron, tell us about what's going on with prostate cancer right now. What do you want men and women who love them to know about getting in to see a doctor to get checked?
1: Hi, Melanie. Prostate cancer uh, is, as you said, one of the most common uh, solid organ cancers uh, amongst American men. Uh, It is estimated that nearly 250,000 new cases of prostate cancer will be diagnosed every year in the United States. The majority of these cancers, when they're diagnosed, are low-risk cancers, but there are a few patients who will have uh, intermediate risk to high-risk prostate cancer as well. Most prostate cancer is diagnosed uh, when patients present to their family physicians or their urologists and have a blood test, uh, which is a blood test for PSA or prostate-specific antigen. If the PSA is elevated, then this leads to uh, the patient being referred to a urologist for investigations. Now, normally, a PSA less than 4 nanograms per ml is considered to be normal. And any PSA above 4 nanograms per ml is considered to be abnormal. Now, keep in mind that not all abnormal PSA means cancer. In other words, PSA is prostate-specific, not cancer-specific. So an elevated PSA does not necessarily mean cancer, and it needs to be investigated.
0: Does the PSA go along with a digital in diagnosing prostate cancer, and do you think that that's the reason so many men are hesitant to come in to get this test?
1: Usually, a digital rectal examination should be performed in men because uh, a digital rectal exam can uh, point to a more significant cancer uh, than just a PSA. In other words, if there is a palpable abnormality on the digital rectal exam, that would indicate that uh, there could be a significant cancer in the prostate. So a digital rectal examination should be performed uh, uh, whenever uh, a patient over the age of 40 uh, goes to uh, see his uh, uh, primary care physician or um, a urologist. Uh, and there is really no reason to fear a digital rectal examination. Uh, It is uh, uh, very straightforward and uh, should not really be feared.
0: So you'd like men to start at the age of 40, coming in for a baseline PSA, and then how often from there?
1: No, there is no reason to uh, go in for a baseline PSA at the age of 40 unless you have a strong family history of prostate cancer. In fact, uh, uh, currently, a routine prostate cancer screening is not indicated. However, if, uh, if, a, if a patient goes to see a urologist for a prostate-related complaint, then at that time, a digital rectal examination should be performed.
0: So what would be a prostate-related complaint? What are some symptoms that might signal that somebody has something going on with their prostate?
1: Well, the most common uh, ailment with the prostate is actually benign enlargement of the prostate, which leads to urinary symptoms. Uh, Prostate cancer itself doesn't uh, cause uh, too many symptoms, at least not in the early stages. So most patients, uh, when they are in their middle ages, uh, start complaining of urinary um, frequency, some uh, slowing in their urinary stream, and some urgency of urination. And these are the usual symptoms associated with an enlargement of the prostate, which most men in their middle ages will experience. Now, these symptoms are not symptoms specific of prostate cancer. These are not symptoms of prostate cancer. These are symptoms of enlargement of the prostate. And most patients see their urologist because of these uh, symptoms. And when they do that, a digital rectal examination should be performed at that time.
0: So then, if you have a man that comes in and you have diagnosed prostate cancer, what is next?
1: So, before we talk about the diagnosis of prostate cancer, I just want to talk about uh, what to do if somebody has an elevated PSA. So, if somebody has an elevated PSA, uh, usually uh, uh, one has to discuss with them uh, about the need for a prostate biopsy. Now, not everyone should undergo a prostate biopsy if their PSA is elevated. Certainly, if somebody is uh, elderly uh, and uh, uh, has significant comorbidities and their digital rectal examination is uh, normal and uh, their PSA is borderline, one may not need to do a biopsy. And There are various calculators one can use online, such as the uh, PCPT calculator, which can indicate the risk of harboring cancer within the prostate. And if that risk is very low or if the patient has significant comorbidities, there may not be any need to do a biopsy. However, if the PSA is significantly abnormal, if the digital rectal examination is abnormal and the patient uh, is relatively young, then a case can be made to offer the patient a prostate biopsy. Basically, the decision-making should be a shared decision-making between the uh, patient and uh, their urologist. Um, and uh, both should agree on the best course of action. Now assuming that uh, the patient and the doctor agree that uh, a prostate biopsy is the appropriate course of action, then a prostate biopsy should be performed and this is uh, typically done in the urologist's office using a transrectal ultrasound probe. So ultrasound probe is placed in the rectum and under local anesthesia, multiple cores are taken from the prostate to obtain the prostate biopsy and that is sent to the pathology lab. Uh, In about a week or so, uh, the pathologist uh, will uh, send out a report, which will uh, have uh, a significant amount of information, uh, including whether or not there is cancer on the biopsy. And also, if there is cancer on the biopsy, what is the grade of the cancer, which is called the Gleason grade. And uh, combining two of the most common areas of the cancer uh, gives you a Gleason score, So the pathology report will tell you whether or not there is cancer, it'll tell you uh, what is the Gleason score of the cancer, and also tell you the volume of the cancer. That means how many cores are involved and what is the uh, percentage involvement of the cores. Once the urologist has all that information, then uh, again, in consultation with the patient, uh, one has to decide on the best course of action.
0: So then how do you decide with your patients once you, you have determined all of these factors coming together, radiation and chemotherapy, surgical intervention, how do you go about starting the process?
1: So um, there are multiple factors which determine what is the best course of action for a given patient. Uh, these include the patient's age, uh, number 2 is the core morbid conditions which includes what are the other ailments the patient might have number 3 uh would be the race of the patient number 4 would be um the extent of the cancer which is the staging of the cancer and number 5 would be the gleason score of the cancer so if a patient is uh, uh relatively elderly Uh, and has a low-volume, low-risk cancer, it is possible that one can uh, decide not to do any active treatment and offer the patient active surveillance. So uh, there are basically, uh, the treatments can be divided into uh, whether or not the patient has localized, organ-confined disease or whether the patient has metastatic disease, which means the cancer is beyond the prostate. If a patient has uh, organ-confined disease, that means the disease is confined to the prostate based on the preoperative imaging, such as a CT scan and a bone scan, which can be offered when indicated, then in that situation, there are basically five treatment options that a patient has. One of them is active surveillance. The other one is surgical excision of the prostate. Third is radiation, of which there are various forms. Uh, Number four is uh, freezing the prostate. And uh, number five is uh, what has recently become available in the United States is high-intensity focused ultrasound. Uh, So these are some of the options for patients with uh, organ-confined disease. For patients who have metastatic disease, that means the disease is beyond the prostate, uh, usually the standard of care is offering them hormonal therapy in the form of androgen deprivation. Because prostate cancer is uh, an androgen-sensitive tumor, that means the prostate cancer cells require androgens to support their growth. If we deprive these cancer cells of androgens, they will shrink. Androgen deprivation therapy does not cure the cancer, but it keeps the cancer under check for a few years. Recently, there are some emerging data that one can also combine chemotherapy with docetaxel to the hormone therapy. And that has improved uh, some of the outcomes in these patients with metastatic cancer.
0: That was just such an excellent explanation, Dr. Aaron. Really, really succinct, very well spoken. So tell the listeners what you would like them to know about all of these different types of therapy and what they can expect for their loved one or for someone with prostate cancer.
1: So uh, we can go over these uh, therapies one by one. Active surveillance means you are watching the patient and their PSA and their cancer over time. You are not ignoring it, you're watching it carefully over time. Active surveillance in general is offered to people who have very low risk, low volume cancer. Also, it is ideal for patients who are older. Uh, Some young patients may also choose to uh, undergo active surveillance because they are concerned about the side effects of the definitive treatment options, such as surgery or radiation. In the mo- for the most part, active surveillance is uh, ideal for low-risk, low-volume cancer. The second option is surgical excision, uh, which is called a radical prostatectomy. It can, it can be done uh, robotically or open surgically, and uh, uh, is, a, is a treatment which has been around for over three decades. There are excellent data with the radical prostatectomy or surgical excision of prostate cancer. Currently, the vast majority of radical prostatectomies in the United States are performed robotically. The main side effects of a surgical excision of uh, prostate uh, include uh, erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. The urinary incontinence usually gets better with time and in about six to nine months, over 90% of the patients will regain continence. The erectile dysfunction takes longer to recover and sometimes there may not be complete recovery of erectile dysfunction. So these are the two main adverse effects of uh, surgery for prostate cancer. However, surgery uh, has been the vanguard uh, for treatment of prostate cancer for a long time and there are robust data about its efficacy. The third option is radiation. There are various forms of radiation. Uh, One is uh, called seed implantation or brachytherapy, where radioactive seeds are implanted inside the prostate and they deliver radiation locally to the prostate. Another form of treatment is external beam radiation. Uh, Currently, the most popular external beam radiation methodology is called IMRT or Intensity Modulated Radiation Therapy, and that, that delivers a beam of radiation from the outside onto the prostate and can also cover the surrounding areas and can also cover the lymph nodes in the pelvis. The fourth option is freezing of the prostate or cryotherapy, and the fifth option is high-intensity focused ultrasound, which uh, ablates the prostate using heat. Now, both of these modalities, which is cryotherapy and high-intensity focused ultrasound, are approved for ablation of prostate tissue, but not necessarily for the treatment of prostate cancer. So, uh, one has to uh, keep that in mind when uh, undergoing these options. One has to keep that in mind when uh, undergoing these treatment options for prostate cancer.
0: So, in just the last few minutes, Dr. Aaron, what should people with prostate cancer think about when seeking care?
1: A lot of men think about what their outcomes are going to be in terms of cancer-specific survival, and overall survival. In addition, they think about incontinence and erectile dysfunction. These two things uh, weigh heavily on the mind uh, of a patient when they uh, are seeing the urologist and having a discussion about treatment options. Um, And these are real concerns because uh, quality of life is important, and uh, these uh, treatment modalities might impact the quality of life. The least impact on the quality of life is with active surveillance which is where you are monitoring the patient's PSA and following them along. Um, The maximum impact on quality of life uh, with immediate effect is with surgery, but the side effects from the surgery usually get better with time. Radiation also impacts quality of life, but not right away, but it does so over the next few years. With cryotherapy and HIFU, the impact on quality of life is uh, less well-defined because robust data are not yet available as much as they are for surgery and radiation. But over the next few years, we will probably have some more data in these regards.
0: And why should they come to Palmdale Regional Medical Center for their care?
1: Well, at Palmdale Regional, we have the ability to provide high-quality care for these patients, and they uh, will get the optimal uh, consultation where they can discuss all the options and uh, appropriately uh, decide what uh, is the best course of action for them and their family.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Aaron. What great information and so important. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to Palmdale Regional Radio with Palmdale Regional Medical Center. For more information, you can go to palmdaleregional.com. That's palmdaleregional.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.